You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. message is entitled The Anointing, The Anointing. And this is number eight in Metamorphosis, The Way of Transformation. We are going to talk about this subject of the anointing, but before we begin, or as we begin, we're going to stand up. If we can stand for the reading of the word, this is something we've been doing lately. I also want to encourage you on Sundays to have a, a message journal. Deborah online was saying she keeps one, to have a, a journal where you write down notes of the messages so that you can get the most out of every uh, message being preached. All right, here we're going to read from 1 John, the first letter of John, chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. And then we're going to skip to 26 and 27 for the sake of time. But of course, the whole chapter is good. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. Sorry. So it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Going on to the next part, verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Amen. Now put your hands on your hearts, please, and pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Transform my life in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So, Father, I'm asking that you would take this word, that you'd make it real to us, and that your anointing that you have placed within us would teach us, and that we would know you even better and closer this morning. Just take all the misconceptions out of our minds, out of our minds and hearts about the anointing this morning. Amen. Amen. Do I hear an amen? amen. Good. You're alive. The theme this morning is this. The anointing is 
a precious and costly gift given to every authentic believer in Jesus. The anointing is a precious and costly gift given to every authentic believer in Jesus. Now, I'm about to introduce this. If you're not familiar with the language of the anointing, it has to do with the pouring on or the rubbing on of oil. Uh, it was something sacred. And we know from the history of Scripture that the priests were anointed so that they could serve in the house of God. We, and I have here like an example, modern-day example. I've got some, here's a, a bottle, uh, and I have some fragrant anointing oil that I had made, and I use this when anointing people with oil, and this is an example of anointing oil. But the anointing speaks of something greater. It speaks of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not familiar with that term, you'll understand it more as we go on. So let me introduce this some more to you. Over the years, there's been much strange and weird teaching about the anointing. It's often a word that sober-minded Christians don't want to use because it's associated with misuse and abuse. Some circles of Christians have taught that the on only a select few in the church are anointed. The rest need to submit to these anointed men and women. Others have mixed the anointing with what they prefer. For example, someone active in a certain kind of ministry is anointed, while others are not anointed. If you were active in the ministry of evangelism out on the streets, some people would say, oh, that person's anointed. But if you're not, they say, oh, uh, you're not anointed. Or maybe you are uh, active in reaching the poor. Somebody may say, well, that person's anointed. But if you're not doing exactly what they're doing or what they prefer, they say you're not anointed. All of these things that I'm touching on now are misconceptions. Another error is that people confuse the anointing with personality. If someone is loud and bold and preaching the things you like, they are anointed. But if they are not loud and bold, uh, somebody may say, oh, they're not anointed. We've, in the revival in Pensacola, we had uh, millions of people come and visit. Uh, there was over 100,000 people that gave their lives to the Lord and people that repented. And every night, Steve Hill, who's now gone to be with the Lord, he would preach a passionate message of repentance, calling people to come to the Lord, calling people to repent. And so people got associated that Steve Hill's style was the anointing, and if it wasn't Steve Hill's style, then that person wasn't so anointed. One of the great anointed teachers that came to teach us and that I was blessed to uh, sit in his classes was David uh, Ravenhill. David Ravenhill is Leonard Ravenhill's son, and he taught, he was he was totally different than his father. Some of you may have heard of Leonard Ravenhill. And Leonard Ravenhill was very passionate. And David Ravenhill, his son, was an amazing teacher, but he was very soft-spoken. And so people, some people who were immature in Christ said, oh, well, the son's not anointed, the father was anointed. 
And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, I hear too much of this. I have heard too much of this over the years. And it's, a, it's wrong thinking. It's immature thinking. And so we may, get, we may associate the anointing to a certain ministry or personality. Uh, and one of the worst misconceptions is that the anointing is equivalent to your feelings. If you feel something, that's anointed. But if you don't feel something, it's not anointed. So you're judging the anointing by your feelings. So right now, as we begin, as we enter into this subject, let us not base the anointing on our preferences, our personality, our feelings, um, and all these type of strange things. Let's go to the Scripture and find out what the Scripture says. It's time that we reclaim what God's Word teaches about the anointing. So what is the anointing? And as the Apostle John taught, we were just reading, how does the anointing keep you from deception? So we read in the weeks before that, in these last days, and we're in the last hour, that's what the Scripture tells us, we are in the last hour. It began with Christ's coming and death and resurrection. And John says we're in the last hour, and this was written 2,000 years ago. Uh, but Jesus said in these last days, many are going to come to deceive you, to mislead you. So he said, watch out, be careful, be alert. And so the Lord has given you something to keep you from being led astray. We're going to talk about this. So the first point is this. You're with me now? Your seatbelts are on? That's good. The first point is this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And this is exactly a, a, a quote, a word for word from Scripture. Okay? I'll read it to you here. We just read it before. It says, children, we're in a last hour. Uh, there's Antichrist all about. There's an Antichrist coming. Uh, people are being led astray. And then it tells us, but, say the word but. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. So he contrasts all the people that are getting sucked up in deception. And he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is 1 John 2.20. If you have received Jesus' free gift of salvation, you are anointed. If you have received Jesus' free gift of salvation, you are anointed. The anointing is not something you work hard for or earn. The anointing is not earned through prayer and sacrifice, your own sacrifice. You may flow more in his anointing through prayer, but you do not earn it. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is a free gift given through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So it is very costly, it is very precious, but it's Christ who paid the price and the cost for that anointing to be given to you. The fact that the anointing is free does not mean it's not costly. It costs Jesus everything. It cost him everything on the cross. 
In the Old Testament, we discover that the making of the anointing oil was very costly. It was a very costly making of the anointing oil. And it was something that was sacred. I'd like us to turn there. This is not in my notes, but go to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. This is the making of the anointing oil. And later we'll talk about the first place in Scripture where the anointing appears. Um, we'll talk about that. This is one of the early appearances of the anointing oil. And then I made an infographic that I'm releasing now, today, and it has to do with Psalm 23. We'll talk more about it. It's in brisbanefire.com infographics, and it will be part of the end of the message. So I'll read to you some of this here. Yeah, it's Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. And it's just describing the making of the anointing oil. But there's a few key words that I'd like to highlight to you. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take also for yourself the finest of spices. That's what I want us to highlight in our minds the finest of spices, of flowing myrrh, 500 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, half as much, 250 of fragrant cane, 250 and of cassia, cas, 500. Oh, sorry, I should, cassia, I should say, cassia, 500. According to the shekel of the sanctuary and of olive oil, a hen. So what it is, is there's a lot of olive oil and there's these, the finest of fragrant spices put into the oil, the anointing oil, to give it this amazing fragrance. And then verse 25, you shall make of these a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, a perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the laver and its stands. Notice how every part of the tabernacle, the house of God, is anointed, though all of it looks different and has a different function. The lampstand looks different than the altar of incense, but it's still anointed. The utensils are different than the burnt offering uh, altar, but it is still anointed. Notice that these things are different, and yet all of them in the house of God, all these parts, all these pieces, all this furniture and the instruments are anointed and holy unto the Lord, even though they all have a different function and purpose. And it's the same way in the body of Christ today. And the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the laver and its stand. You shall also consecrate them. That means to make them holy. The Hebrew word there is holy. That they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. That is to make them holy. That they may minister as priests to me. 
you shall speak to the sons of Israel, say, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on any, anyone's body, nor shall you make any like it in the same proportions. It is holy and shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it or whoever puts any of it on a layman shall be cut off from his people. So again, notice that it is sacred, it is holy, it is special. It's not to be seen as something common or ordinary. And it's not to be used for some ordinary use of, of man or just for, hey, let me put on the anointing oil so I smell good on my date tonight. <laughs> right? It's not, it's, that's not what the anointing is about. It's not for us, it's for him. When we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 in the New Testament, we read this. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What a great, sacred, awesome privilege we have been given that through salvation, God has anointed us. It's not just pastors that are anointed. It's not just priests that are anointed. It's everyday people that God has anointed through salvation in Jesus. And it's holy and it's sacred. Even little children he will anoint. Listen to this again. That is not, in, in that way, we do not want to in any way diminish the sacredness, the power of the anointing, the, the specialness of it. But notice how God gives it. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Say that with me, those three words. He anointed us. Set his seal of ownership on us. You don't have to repeat that one. But thank you for your eagerness. <laughs> Set his seal of ownership on us. So when a priest was anointed, it was like they were being marked for God. They were being marked for God, and there was a seal of ownership on them. They were not to in any way be like ordinary people. They were different. They were set apart for God. God's hand and mark was on them. God was saying when he anointed Aaron and his sons, these, uh, these people are mine. They're set apart for me. They have a purpose, and they're not to be treated ordinarily. And they were not to carry themselves out in a way that was just common to, to man. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Ultimately, the anointing is a picture of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit comes on his children and is in every one of his children. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So again, let me just cover some simple points here. 
At salvation, God anoints us, marking us and claiming us as his own, just like he did with the priests, Aaron and his sons. And just like he did with his house, the tabernacle, the anointing was to be all over the house of God. This anointing sets us apart from the people in this world. The anointing makes you different. It makes you holy. And holy means you've been set apart from common use, set apart from sin, but also set apart from the ordinary in order to be set apart for God. You're taken out of one realm and put, in, put into another realm. You are holy. And here's another kind of misconception is that Christians often think, I have to work really hard at being holy. When rather you need to receive the free gift of salvation, realize that you are holy and live in accordance to the holiness that God has given to you through the anointing of his spirit. So you're living out of holiness rather than trying to work for holiness. You're letting holiness work in you. You're letting that anointing come into every part of your body, all those internal organs, your mind. You're letting the anointing seep into your, your mind and into your thoughts and into your heart and your emotions. Now, how does true healing come in, the, in, in your life? True healing comes when you allow the anointing to do its work. Olive oil was often used in ancient times as a medicine, a healing product. Uh, it was used medicinally. And as, I, as you allow the anointing to come into you and, and, and spread and increase and grow, the anointing brings healing. That's why I want to encourage you, always get prayer. <laughs> always get prayer. And that it's not that you do not have the anointing. You're allowing the anointing to work in you. We saw that the anointing was the work of a perfumer. The Lord's the perfumer. And he's working it into our lives. We have his spirit. But now we want that the Holy Spirit to fill us, his fullness to fill us. So God's anointing means that his Holy Spirit now lives within you. His Holy Spirit lives within you. This brings me to point two. How are you going? Are you with me? You're alert? You're alive? That's good. <laughs> point two. The anointing within you teaches you. The anointing within you teaches you. Guiding you away from those who try to mislead you. So the anointing within you teaches you. Guiding you away from those who try to mislead you. And so now we go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And notice how this is the Apostles John, the Apostle John's solution for those who are trying to deceive them. There's many people that were leaving the community of faith, leaving the church. There was all sorts of deceptions and scams going on and people 
exalting themselves that they're anointed, but you're not anointed. I hear God, but you don't hear God. All sorts of strange stuff like that going on. And especially this is the beginning of uh, Gnosticism developing. In verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. That was our first point. And you all know. What is he saying you know? Because of that anointing, you know the Lord. Because of that anointing within you, you know Jesus. You know the truth. So sometimes we try to quiet the anointing. We try to quiet the teacher within. Uh, we, uh, we don't like what he's saying. But if you have the Holy Spirit within you, if you have Jesus within you, you know the truth. You know that Jesus is the truth. You have the knowledge of God in you. Yes, it has to grow, but you have God within you. You have that knowledge within you. And John says, you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth. So what does the Scripture do? The, the Scripture confirms what the Holy Spirit has done within your heart. And the Scripture confirms what God has given you. And every time someone teaches the Word, like myself, others that will uh, come and teach you the, wor the Word, what they're doing is they're unpackaging what you already have in Christ. They're helping you to grow in that knowledge of what you already know. You know it, but you may not be able to articulate it. You know it, but you may not have applied it fully. But the purpose of the uh, anointing within you is to, you know the truth, and is to guide you and lead you. And that anointing is true. And it goes on to say, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has, all, has the Father also. So here John is bringing out that the Father and the Son are one. You cannot say, I love God, but not love his Son. There's something amiss with that. Verse 24, as for you... Let that abide in you, that is to dwell, to remain. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So John is constantly exhorting us to abide, to remain. You have received Jesus, you have received the anointing, but stay Abide, remain, uh, live in the Son. It goes on to say, this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Now this is what I'm getting at in this point, verse 27. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. Now say in you. So that anointing is not just upon you, it's also in you. And there's no real conflict with it being upon you and in you. Some people have made that like a, a conflicting thing. Is the anointing upon you or in you? But there's, there's, that's kind of a weird way of thinking, I, I think, also. Um, 
the anointing is within you. The anointing is within you, and it abides in you. And he's, he's saying here, as for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. It, it remains, it lives, it dwells in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, it's not false, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. So what does the anointing do? The anointing within you teaches you. And he's saying you have no need of a teacher. What he's, again, you've got to compare it to scripture to scripture so you do not distort this. Some people may read this and say, I don't need anyone to teach me. I don't need anyone to preach to me. But remember, the apostles are teaching and preaching all the time. So he's not trying to say that you don't need uh, teachers but he's saying you don't need these false teachers who are saying, oh, you are not anointed. You, ha you need the secret knowledge that I have to give you. Uh, you know, they teach that stuff publicly, but here privately in my home, I expound the real scriptures. I bring out the real mysteries. And what he's, what, hey, oh, I got the stuff that other people don't know. I got it from the internet. And the internet is never wrong. Okay, if you're basing your teaching on the internet, whoa, <laughs> woe to you. Because every weird and wacky thing is on the internet. You've got to know your sources. You've got to get back to primary sources. Um, so again, what is John saying here? The teacher is within you. You know the truth. And you know when people are saying things that are not true. Sometimes it deceives you. It gets you off track. But go back to what God has given you in the beginning. Go back to the anointed with the anointing with, which is in you. And it's true. And it's going to guide you into all truth. And just as it has taught you, abide in him. And the message is over and over, don't lose your intimacy with Jesus. Abiding has to do with intimacy. Any type of teaching that takes you out of intimacy with Jesus is not good. Anything that keeps you from abiding in him and resting in him and finding your security and your life and your peace in him, anything that gets you surrounded around something Whatever it may be, surrounded, surrounding something that, other, that is other than Jesus is not good. It's the Jesus of Scripture that we are to abide in. And so I'm constantly in this time of a lot of strange things out there, and I, I cannot keep up with all the heresies that are out there right now. I was reading about this week, QAnon, which I've known about for a while. Some of you may know about it. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of the um, philosophies and, would you say, religions that have appeared recently, which helped inspire the Capitol riots that happened. They wanted this storm to come, and Trump was going to be the, the one who would lead the way, and he would set people free from the liberal pedophiles that drink blood, and all this. Uh, 
And all the Jews, the, of course, they were against the Jews, too. And uh, it was anti-Semitic and different people. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians were eating from this, and they didn't even know what tree they were eating from. It's called QAnon, Q, capital A, lowercase n-o-n. And what I'm saying here is there's so many things springing up in our day, so many different prophets, teachings, uh, fads that come up. I try to keep up with it all, but I can't keep up with it all. I'm constantly getting uh, different videos and things sent to me. And what I'm saying is this. You just got to know the genuine article. <laughs> and that is Jesus. Jesus. And then it goes on to say, Now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So let's talk about this some more. It's the anointing, the spirit of God within that is your own personal teacher and security guard. He's going to screen things. He's your own filter. You have this own filtering system within those trying to deceive and mislead you usually try to strip you of your authority and power. They want to persuade you that you are unanointed and that you are missing something. You're missing something. When the apostles try to uh, warn people about false teaching, what they say is you have everything in Christ. You're not missing anything. Everything is yours in Christ. You have all knowledge in Christ. He is the storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. But false teachers will say, oh, well, actually, there's something, uh, something else beside Christ. And I have it, and I'm going to give it to you. And they're often portraying themselves as, I'm anointed, you're not, you have to listen to me. When in actuality, everything is in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have everything. And the whole thing is that growing and developing in and through you. There's no secret teaching or isolated cult group that you need. <laughs> right? There's no secret teaching or isolated cult group that you need to make it through the end times. It's Jesus and it's abiding in him. Realizing you are anointed is the first step in being guided into the truth. Deceivers work through lack and need. When you lack, you become desperate. For example, take loneliness. It makes people become friends with the wrong people, or they may even try to buy love. Uh, think about the Nigerian prince scams. Uh, someone is broke, they need a miracle, then... Uh, an email comes through. The prince of so-and-so has just requested to give you $3 million inheritance. Now, most of us know this scam already. But, but here's the thing. When it first came out, many people were tricked. And they said, oh, someone, I've been praying, or I need my, I have a need. 
And this is an answer to prayer. And let me give them my bank. And we just need your bank account details. And for you to pay $5,000 for the solicitor fees, for the, the lawyer fees for this transaction to happen. And with that, they scanned lots of people out of their money. And what happened is there were, people were in need. People were in need. And because of that need, they fell into a trap. Having a mindset of lack and poverty opens you to looking to the wrong people and things to make up for that poverty and lack. But here is what I keep on getting back to. You have been given the greatest and most costly treasure, the anointing. You have been given it already. You don't need what other people are trying to sell you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. When the Holy One anointed you and put His anointing within you, He gave you the best. The same anointing that was on Jesus is on you and within you. It's not a lesser anointing. The same anointing that was on Jesus is on you and within you. That's why you can be like Jesus and walk like Jesus and move in signs and wonders and miracles. But it's not just about signs and wonders and miracles. I think the most important thing about the anointing is that it enables us to know God in an intimate relationship. And then out of that knowledge then flows ministry. And character. It builds character in you. When the Holy One anointed you, He put that anointing within you. He gave you the best. Jesus put His own knowledge, wisdom, and truth in you. Jesus' own wisdom, knowledge, and truth, it's in you. You know the truth, as John was saying. You know the truth. You know that every answer is found in Jesus. The critical thing is you need to listen to the truth within, the teacher and the shepherd that's within. Listen to the teacher that is within. If you have received Jesus, if not, this is a great time to receive the Jesus. Let the anointing come in you. But listen to the teacher, the shepherd that's within. Isaiah 30, 19 through 21. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Who is that teacher? That teacher is Jesus. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So as you stray a little bit to the right, the teacher within you is speaking to you to get back on the path. As you stray a little bit to the left, the teacher is spe speaking to you to get back onto the path. What is the one thing the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you now? 
that one thing. Often there's one thing, and, and usually it has to do with one word. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, forgive, trust, or keep away from that temptation. What is the teacher trying to speak to you now? Now, you might try to silence the teacher within you, and that's where you get led astray. Listen to the teacher within you. Listen to Jesus within you. Now, we're almost we're close to an end here. I have four points, and the third point is this. And the fourth point is more of a conclusion. The anointing has a purpose. The anointing has a purpose. We've been touching on that purpose throughout this message. But look at what it says in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. We know Jesus began his ministry with reading this, but it applies to all of us because we are in Jesus and we're his disciples. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We'll just stop there, but we could read the whole chapter. But isn't this beautiful? I didn't hear enough amens, enough oohs and ahs. That the Spirit of God is upon me and He has anointed me and it has a purpose. It's to bring good news to the afflicted. Again, I'm, I've said it over and over through the weeks. Through everything that's going on in the world, through the increase of lawlessness that is going on in the world, we cannot forget or neglect the main thing. And what is the main thing? The main thing is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are called to share that good news, to speak that good news. I talked about the importance of quietness last week, but that was in no way to say, to silence you, as some people might have thought, <laughs> silence you not to preach the good news. It was so that you would have a listening heart toward God and not just go about running about doing your own thing, but having that quiet listening heart, cultivating a quiet soul. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That has to do with healing, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. So you have the, God has anointed you for a purpose. So one of the great things when you first save is like, ah, I'm anointed. I can, I can sense God's presence. The Holy Spirit is within me. I'm empowered. But then you have to take it one step further and Realize that that anointing has a purpose, and that is so that you are ministers of the good news. So each one of us should be setting captives free, and that's how the church grows. 
It's you're empowered. You are living in that anointing. You're living in intimacy with Jesus. And because of that, throughout the week, you're touching this soul and that soul. You're uh, bringing the power of the gospel into people's lives, and it's setting people free. The first place the anointing appears in Scripture has to do with Jacob's experience of God's presence. I don't have time to read it this morning, but you know it's that dream that Jacob had, Jacob's ladder. And the ladder connected heaven and earth. And there he experienced God's presence. And he said, this place is awesome. It's none other than the house of God. And he called it Bethel because Bet in Hebrew means house. And El means God. And so what he was saying when he called it Bethel was this is the house of God. What is the house of God? It's the place of God's dynamic, powerful presence that awakens people, that sets people free. And then he takes a pillar, he erects that pillar, and then he pours oil on it. And that's the first place we read of the anointing. The anointing was to set apart that place as holy, this is God's house. This is the place of his presence. And so God anoints you because you are his house. You are the place of his presence. You are the gateway from heaven to earth for the people in this world. And that's why I've been quite grieved when I go. I'm not even going on Facebook much anymore. I hope to get on. I need to get some inward fortitude before I really get on. If I post something, I'm just in and out. Because I'm so grieved that Christians who have the power of the gospel, who have the power of the gospel, are not sharing the gospel, but sharing all sorts of things that they don't like in this world. Hey, who? Yeah, because they don't know how, but you have the anointing within you to empower you to do it. And that relationship with God will empower you to do it. And I have spent years and years teaching him how, demonstrating how. And then if there's anything falling short in me, we've got the scripture. We've got the scripture. Going back to the point... And that is, we are God's house. We are the gateway for people to encounter God. And so Jacob anoints a pillar signifying that it is God's house. When God anoints you, it means that you are his house, the place where he dwells. The anointing means he is with you and within you. If you walk through all the verses about the anointing, anoint means, as I said in the beginning, making something holy for God. So quickly, as it's summing up some of the things we said, the anointing sets you apart for God. It marks you as his. God takes seriously all who have been anointed. It means God honors you, and it means the Lord empowers you. It means Jesus has qualified you and enabled you to be his minister. The anointing consecrates you. It makes you holy. It means you are God's house and part of his priesthood. 
It means you are royal and prophetic. You know, the kings were anointed, the prophets were anointed. And ultimately, the anointing is a sign and symbol that God's Holy Spirit, His very own breath and presence, lives within you. Those who are anointed are especially cared for by God, even though He cares for everybody. And it's by the anointing that you preach the good news. Authentic teachers and pastors work in unison with the anointing. They honor you as anointed ones and teach you how to walk in the anointing you have received from God. And like we read before, you have been anointed to to proclaim the good news, set captives free and bring healing. Do you receive that? Do you receive that? Do you believe that? Last point. Yahweh is your shepherd. You won't go without. So recently I've been spending and investing a lot of time in writing a poetic translation of Psalm 23. And I did this for myself so that I could meditate more on Psalm 23 and feeling lately that we've been walking through a quite a difficult valley. And I felt Psalm 123 was quite important. But after spending all this time, I sensed the Holy Spirit wanted me to share it with others and make it into an infographic. And so it's a translation that it's not just heard, it's something you have to see um, because of how it's laid out. And it reads a little differently than what you may be used to. Uh, The idea is to translate the Hebrew poetry and not just the words, something that's been on my heart for a while. And so it reads a little bit differently. It's it's familiar, but also should um, cause you to slow down and think afresh about Psalm 23. And it's structured poetically so that you can see it on the page. And this is what it looks like. You You can go and find it in... Here's here's what it looks like on... If you're there, here's what it looks like. And you can go on brisbane.com, infographics. Oh, yeah, sorry. Brisbane Fire, brisbanefire.com, infographics. I'm glad that I have my editor with me today. (laughs) Brisbanefire.com slash infographics. It starts off with the Hebrew uh, just on the top, uh, Yahweh Roi, which is the Lord is my shepherd. So I'll read it to you. And the reason why this is important is because I want to encourage you that the shepherd lives within you. And in the Psalm 23, it says, he anoints my head with oil, or you anoint my head with oil. But I'll read to you how I translate it here. Yahweh is my shepherd. I won't be without. In pastures green, he settles me. Beside waters gentle, he guides me. My soul, he restores. He leads me in paths trusted and right. Yes, that's who he is. Even if I walk in a valley fogged, thick and dark, I fear no evil. 
For you are with me, your rod and your support, they comfort me. You set before me a table across from those attacking me. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. Yes, goodness and love kind pursue me all the days of my life. And I will be refreshed in Yahweh's house continually, days without end. Amen. Amen. So that's it. And I spent a lot of time, you know, meditating on the Hebrew and then trying to bring that out. And then you can see, you can, uh, you can see it too. But notice in there it says, you anoint robustly my head. My cup abundantly flows. When Yahweh is your shepherd, he holds nothing back. You're not without. He gives. He brings peace. He brings rest to you. Goodness and love, kind, pursue me all the days of my life. And so I want to encourage you this week, meditate on Psalm 23. It's beautiful, and it really takes a whole lifetime in meditating on Psalm 23 to really get it in your soul. But what shalom it brings, what peace it brings when you really get a, a grasp of it. So let's all stand. We're going to pray soon. Through the anointing, your shepherd and teacher have come to live within you. Can you think of anything better than that? And listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and teaching you. And the things that disagree within you, the things that are fighting against the anointing within you, let, let the anointing drive them away. Let the anointing break you free of those things. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray. Father, I pray that we would have a revelation and understanding of the anointing that you have placed within us. How powerful it is. And that today we would be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. That we would understand and realize the privilege of the anointing, anointing within us, but also the responsibility that that anointing has a purpose. And I'm asking today that you would freshly anoint your people, that you would anoint robustly their heads and their cup would run over today with your fullness and that they would have the joy of the good news within them. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do here. Is Anna around? Anna, if you don't mind playing light.